Hello everyone and welcome to Punk Lotto Pod, the game where no one wins. I'm your co-host Justin Hensley. I'm your other co-host Dylan Hensley. And this is the show where using a number generator and the Rate Your Music punk charts, we pick a year, album, and EP at random to discuss. But if you listened to last week's episode, then you know we're not going to do that today. Yep. We are ditching format for the second week in a row. Yep. And next week we'll be back on format and we'll... uh, We'll let you know what we're going to be discussing then. But for this week, we're going to do our second half of the best of 2018 list. Yeah. Try to think of well, anything we need to say about that. But I guess not really. Uh, yeah. I mean, you heard our our last half. If, I mean, surely you're not listening to the second <laughs> part of a two-part series without <laughs> having listened to the first one. You'll have no idea what, what's happening. Yeah. There's going to be all kinds of callbacks and references. (laughs) Yeah, so before we dive into the second half of the list, um, we thought we we could run through some albums that didn't quite make the list. So these are essentially the runner-ups, but I don't know. Usually when I make an end-of-the-year list, my list is like 25 albums long because I... those are usually like the amount of albums that I love so much that I want to talk about it, but don't have a chance to talk about any other time. So I'm like going to put it on the list. Make a big list. So uh, was there anything else that uh, almost made it for you? Um, stuff that was on my radar, I guess. Stuff that I listened to. Um, I was really surprised by the um, first full length by Dusk, <laughs> their self-titled album. I I considered putting that on my top five, but I didn't really revisit it all that much. Um, I yeah. just kind of listened to it the first couple of times shortly after it came out. Um, but I really enjoyed it. It was uh, Dusk is uh, it's uh, what it's Amos Pitch from Tenement, Tenement and uh, some other people. Uh, he's not really the lead vocalist on it though. Um, <laughs> it's like straight up country. Like it's really good, um, and it's not like I didn't listen. It's not like alt country, not to the degree that you would have would expect it to be. Uh, it no. feels very much like a like a Graham Parsons, Emmylou Harris, Flying Burrito Brothers kind of influenced kind of country. Um, that like post Bakersfield sound, definitely not what I expected. Um, hmm. Yeah, I didn't listen to that one. I remember we actually saw Dusk play a couple years ago with with Tenement, Tenement yeah, and Lunchbox Records in Charlotte. They were great. Um, a lot of fun. Uh, I guess it was around the same time Predatory Lights came out, right? Yeah, it was, a, it was sh- not too long after that album. Last Tenement album came out. They played way longer than uh, Tenement did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were fun. I, I just never got around to listening to that album. I mean, other things that I noticed, like um, LP 5000 by uh, Restorations. LP mm-hmm. Power Man 5000. <laughs> <laughs> um, I dig... I sampled a little bit of that when I was making this list, just like, I don't know, just considering, like, is there something else that might jump in there? Restorations is a band that, like, I feel like they're always almost there for me. Um, yeah. So well, the, I really enjoyed, like, the faster parts on that record that I heard. Kind of anything that breaks up his his typical vocal delivery, because they do a lot of those, like, drawn-out chords, and, and he just does the one, he has the one trick and then any of the parts in the songs that made him do something different, I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Not a whole lot. I, I don't know. I struggled with new music this year. Like we mentioned in the last episode, I didn't listen to a whole lot. I mean, I got more into like, I don't know, <clears throat> Joni Mitchell. Like, 
just uh, explored other areas of music that I hadn't spent much time with, so I, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to new music. Uh, I heard that Casey Musgraves record a lot this year. Uh, that's one of the only other prominent new releases this year that I heard a lot because um, my wife all the, is really all into the, it. Your wife pre- uh, is uh, setting the trends for all the punk boys now. Yeah, yeah. She was <laughs> she was into Casey before everybody else when when so that, she was more straightforward country and I mean as straightforward a country as she ever was. But yeah, pageant material like you know mm-hmm. big Dolly Parton influences and. So I heard that record a lot. I mean, and it's it's a good record. I mean, it's a very different direction for pop country. If it, it won like best album at the CMTs or something, it was like album of the year, which is a pretty big deal considering what most pop country sounds like right now, which is horrendous. <laughs> <sighs> I noticed in like popular country, isn't there? There's like a weird like mainstream trend of trying to buck standard. Because didn't Chris Stapleton? He was like really. He is really big, but and he's not your he's not bro country, and he's not like classic. Yeah, there's been that nat '90s country, you know, Tim McGraw type stuff. There's been that more like classic country influenced, like Chris Stapleton, um, uh, Sturgill Simpson. Yeah, yeah. This the stuff that draws more on like outlaw country, and I mean, if you listen to Chris Stapleton, like he sounds like old mainstream country <laughs> yeah yeah i guess that's what it is it's, it's um, just kind of a throwback is now popular in country music yeah but i mean the the bro country like the sing rapping <laughs> florida georgia line fragile masculinity and, yeah, <laughs> body like a back road that's still very prominent in pop, popular country music so <laughs> well uh what are your runners-ups okay so I had to take stuff off just so like I wasn't listing 30 more albums. But like I said last week, I listened to almost 200 releases that came out this year. And it kind of ran the course of like EPs and singles and full lengths. And so some of the things that I really liked. Um, Coheed and Cambria put out a new album this year called The Unheavenly Creatures. And it's like their ninth, eighth or ninth album or something like that. Um, and they took a, their last album took a break from the sci-fi story that Coheed and Cameron have been telling since the first album. And it was just like an album of songs unrelated to each other that are just songs. And I really like that album a lot. I've never given a shit at all about the story that they were telling in that band i just like the, no one did uh, well claudio cares so <laughs> no one else does yeah i'm curious that even if the rest of the band even cares what the story is <laughs> yeah they or... probably don't they probably don't know <laughs> he probably is like about... oh. referencing like st- story points and like yeah He's like, <laughs> do you not read the lyrics no <laughs> <laughs> So, this album is the beginning of a brand new story. So, like, I don't know. I don't even know what the story was in the other albums, but apparently this album is a a whole new set of characters and a whole new story. I don't know. I don't care. All I care about is that this is the album that sounds the most like uh, Good Apollo Part 1 era Coheed. So, I was like, I am all for this direction. It's like a triple LP album. (laughs) It's a very long album. Um, 
I don't know, but it's really enjoyable. And like most Coheed albums in the last couple years, you could probably trim a couple tracks off of it and it would make one incredible album. But I don't know. I, I love I love Coheed Cambria. I know it's a controversial uh, band to like in the sense that a lot of people hate his voice and think the sci-fi thing is dumb. And yeah, I do too. But <laughs> I like his voice, so it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I listened to an album from a band called Custody, and it's it was their self-titled album. Uh, they're a Finnish band, uh, and it's like some Iron Sheik type stuff. Uh, like uh, what was really popular at the fest a couple years ago, style punk. Uh, what is it? I guess that's the Latterman influence. Really catchy hooks, some really fun guitar melodies. I, I listened to that album quite a few times, especially at the beginning of the year. I really enjoyed that Expert Timing album. Uh, it's called Glare. We saw them play at Fest, and they were really they were really fun. They were one of those bands that I just was like, here's a band I haven't heard of. I'll check them out. And I listened to them, and I was like, this is good enough to see. And we had like a spare spot in our schedule, so I was like, hey, let's go see this band. And they were really fun. Um, it's a husband and wife duo with a third member on drums um and they were they were just really really fun um what yeah, they were really high energy their drummer was a lot of fun to watch yeah yeah they did the thing where instead of putting the drummer on a riser like they just like put him like even with the rest with the guitar and yeah bass. he was just set up on the on the floor well not on the floor yeah. but you know yeah yeah you know yeah, yeah there's the stage and then there's the riser for the drums and he was with them on the just the stage part. Uh, let's see what else. The Gunshy put out a collection called Undefeated, which was it was a song a month project. I think is what it was. Yeah. All based on the aftermath of the Trump election, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to look at some of the song titles. It's not a true album in the sense that you know every song was written one song a month, but I mean, there's a song called Election Day. Um, Serve not leader. Uh, yeah. No gods, no bastards. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's it's kind of the political songs that I wanted to hear this year that never materialized from a lot of other bands, but they're good songs. No songs, no bastards is great. No gods, no bastards, and <clears throat> serve not leader. It's definitely some of the standouts. Uh, the Gunshot are just an incredibly underrated band. Um, supposedly they're working on a new album as well, so I'm hoping that comes out within the next year they did a um not they did a uh springsteen cover as well for that oh, that yeah. project they covered used cars it's a really really good cover that's like a nebraska song so it's a good fit for them yeah uh let's see anything else that was uh iron Sheik put out a split with toys that kill um the iron Sheik side rules <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't I didn't I don't I didn't even listen to the Toys the Kill side. You're not uh, gonna like it. It's fine. You don't have I, to listen. But the, the the Iron Sheik songs came from the recording session that their last full length came out of. So that's why these songs were good. It's because they were already recorded really well. Yeah, there's like I said in the last episode, Idols and Shame are both two British bands that put out really fucking killer records. But those albums have got a lot of press so you don't have to speak too much about that uh swearing put out an album this year and it i really enjoyed it especially compared to the last swearing album which i did not like and i didn't like this one as much as kenosha but uh it's just it's it's really 
good album. That guy, the guy in the band, I don't remember his name, but it's always his songs that kind of drag that album down <laughs> for me. Yeah. Um, and I guess the last thing I'll say, like I've, I've even got a bunch of things on here too, but American Steel put out a brand new 7-inch in the last, what, two weeks? Yeah. And they're fucking amazing. It's called State of Grace. I really hope this means we're getting a new American Steel album next year. That'd be so fucking awesome. Yeah. And, oh, Timeshares put out two incredible four-song EPs this year. They're just digital. There's no physical version. Uh, They're called On Life Support and Out There. On Life Support is so good. It's like, I don't know, I've termed it Tom Pettycore. Um it's this it's like punk rock that's inspired by rootsy sort of heartland music like there's i mean it's yeah i mean they they're a band that are generally kind of lumped into that heartland punk like gaslight mm-hmm. menzingers red city radio uh <clears throat> even restoration some yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah they're supposedly working on a full length um i hope it's as good as those those two eps because those are those are some incredible eps too they almost made the list if if they were full length if if it was one album i almost would have put it on the list at least considered it yeah yeah uh and then the last thing i'll say is there's a band called public policy that put out an ep called human resource it's really fucking good it's like this jawbox inspired like post-punk post-hardcore album it's just I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. It's really fucking good. Nobody heard it. Nobody listened to it. But you should definitely check it out because that AP really was really good. Well, I guess we can uh, continue on our best of list. So we're up to number five? Yeah. All right. So uh, number five on our best albums of 2018 list, it is Lucero Among the Ghosts. Um, <laughs> Lucero is a band that probably needs no introduction. I mean, they're they're the uh, how would you describe them? They're the uh, the alt country band that makes me think alt country's good. 
Yeah, the misleading alt-country band. <laughs> While everybody else is talking about drive-by truckers, I'm over here listening to Lucero for the millionth yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, Lucero is the is the Uncle Dublow, Sunvolt-inspired uh, country band for punks. Yeah. It's not... They, and and you're... Yeah. It is. It's all country for punks, yeah. is what Lucero is. Because Ben Nichols and... Is it some of the other guys too? We're in Red Forty. I don't know who who else. I mean, Ben probably Brian Venable. Maybe let me look that up real quick. Maybe Roy Berry. I don't know, but um, yeah. I mean, it's like um, if you don't know who Red Forty is, it's Ben Nichols fronting a Jawbreaker style punk band. Yeah, with a slight twang. I mean, Lucero is very famous for having covered Jawbreaker, "Kiss the Bottle." They really made that their song. It's really yeah, funny. I saw it. Ben Nichols uh, this year, and people kept yelling, "Kiss the bottle!" And he's like, "Nah, Jawbreaker's back. I'm not. I'm not doing that one. Y'all can go go see Jawbreaker." <laughs> so maybe Lucero has cut that one from their set. Finally, I don't know, but he wouldn't play it. Um, no, nah, it's just <clears> Ben Nichols and two other guys, Colin Brooks and Steve Coombs. I don't know. Are they from Lucero? No, not currently. Uh, Lucero is currently. Um, as of this album and the last several, uh, Ben Nichols on vocals and guitar, Roy Berry on drums, John C. Stubblefield on bass, uh, Rick Steff on piano, organ, and and uh, accordion, and Brian Venable on guitar, lead guitar primarily. I love Lucero. <laughs> Lucero, one of my all-time favorite bands. They're um, they're like, see the thing the thing of, I really one of the things I really love about Lucero is. I feel like they get country better than a lot of alt country bands do. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like too much alt country is like, hee hee, look, we're <laughs> playing country music with electric guitars. And like, Lucero is like basically just a rock band with some very distinct country influences. And well, I mean, they're also is equally influenced by what Big Star and. Um... Warren Zevon, yeah, I and mean, Warren Zevon's a big which, influence on Lucero, which That's you really super felt prominent. on the last album. Well, uh, yeah, war- looking for Warren Zevon's Los Angeles, um, but yeah. I mean, even listen to the first couple Warren Zevon records, and then listen to like uh, Women in Work and like uh, <laughs> um, 1372 Overton Park, which was uh, produced by Ted Hutt uh, as well. He, he also did mm-hmm. Women in Work um, and All a Man Should Do. So there's a Gaslight connection there too, yeah. Like his, I mean, he really just sings about heartbreak and stuff on like yeah. all these records, and like it feels like genuine like country to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like over the top and corny. It's just like it just feels really natural, organic. This record, I guess I've seen it. People talk about it as like kind of like a return to form for Lucero. It certainly has some its similarities to like Nobody's Darlings, and it's got like a harder sound to it, especially yeah. compared to the last album. And it, and it even really seems to strip down like the like the very Memphisy like honky tonky sounding stuff from the the from Women at Work and. Well, yeah, this is the album. Um, records, the horn section's gone on this album. Like they're on one song, I think, but as far as they're not on the whole album like they were on the last three yeah this record really reminded me of a band that i've gotten a lot more into in the last year or so and and maybe a comparison that doesn't often 
get made to this era that should. Um, it reminds me a lot of the band. I mean, it definitely has some lyrical similarities with like the the uh, Civil War era, <laughs> uh, like uh, historical fiction lyrics that he he's got on some of these songs uh, are very similar to to the band's first couple records. But I've seen it this record described as veering into like a country grunge on a couple songs. It's definitely a darker sounding album for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nobody's Darlings is probably the most comparable album from them, but even that one was a little punkier. Yeah. Uh, maybe that much further West is probably closer, but yeah, it, yeah, I, I know what you mean with the, um, the storytelling, I guess, aspect to it with what cover me and to my dearest wife, mm-hmm. which I, I saw something about that song. It, it samples a little bit of the melody of the battle hymn of the Republic um, huh. that was a conscious decision. Uh, like he, like they did that. They wanted to sample a civil war era song, but they didn't want to use anything Confederate. <laughs> like they made a point oh, of nice. picking like a union song and not, not a Confederate song, despite, you know, being, being from Tennessee, being Southerners. Man, that's the thing about Lucero is like, they're way more progressive than you would assume based on the style of music they're playing. And, I bet if you go to a Lucera show, you probably find a lot of Republicans there. Yeah, I mean, their audience is very like like alt country fans, bikers. Yeah, there's a big biker crowd for Lucera and punks. Punks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. I didn't see them on this tour for this album. I kind of wish I had, but I did just see Ben play solo. But um, I've. I saw someone say something about online about this past tour. People don't seem to be receptive of this new album. Like people weren't into the new songs. They seemed annoyed that they were playing new songs, which it's like, I don't know what you want because that's the, like if you see Lucero more than once, you're going to see the same set list. The only way you're getting new songs into the set list is when they release a new album. Well, we know someone who went and saw them on one of the tours this year, and they played Among the Ghosts from beginning to end. Oh. Hmm. And I really wished I'd yeah. that, because you probably won't see that again. If people are complaining about them playing too many new songs, uh, you're not going to get a lot then. Yeah. Because they play, they only play like one or two songs off of what women, they play like two songs off of Women at Work, but I, I don't know. I feel like I saw them around the time Women at Work came out, and they still only played those same two songs. Yeah. So I don't know. That's a weird album. Like it's a good one, but it's like it feels like people don't care about it as much, and they don't care about it as much. I don't know. It was a strange. It one. went pretty hard in like a rock and roll direction. Yeah, but see, I don't love All a Man Could Should Do as much, primarily because it has a strange production value to it. But even still. Song-wise, they're really good songs. So this album's the same way. Like these are great songs. Like maybe I don't know. This is their tenth album too. I mean, not every album is going to be Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I really I uh, yeah. I love this record. I I listened to it mm-hmm. a bunch. I knew the first time I listened to it, I was like, oh, I'm gonna listen to this a hell of a lot. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I love Ben's voice. I love his delivery. Um, I also really love Brian Venable's guitar playing. He comes up with some 
really distinct lead parts. He's got almost like a Mike Campbell from the uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers kind of lead style. Hmm. Um, I love Roy Berry's drumming too. It's especially on maybe older Lucera records. It, it's uh, I really appreciate him as a drummer because he's not super showy and super technical. I mean, he really serves the songs, but he does something kind of unique with every song. Well, he even, like, you know all those, like, weird electronic, like, drum beats and samples and stuff like that on some of the earlier material? Yeah. Like, Tennessee and that much further west. Like, that's him. Like, he did, he does all that stuff. Yeah. So, it's he's definitely, he knows it, when it's right, you know, when to play big and when to play, you know, straight up. I always love, I love going and seeing Lucero and watching, uh, what's the bass player's name? Uh, John Stubblefield, and watching him play, it's so funny because he's he always seems like he's half drunk and that he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, but he plays it perfect. Like he never makes a mistake. Yeah, like I remember. I there's times where he'll like. I remember seeing him early on. He would play. He'd be, they'd be in the middle of a song. He would take his bass off and set it down. And, like, kind of walk around the stage a little bit, get a drink, you know, come back, put the bass back on, and keep playing. Like, he just, <laughs> he, like, he knows his part so well that he can be like, I could take my whole bass off, set it down, walk away, <laughs> take a drink, come back, put it back on before, you know, it's like, this is Ben's turn to play an acoustic verse. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just, like, a musician who, I guess they practice so much, I don't know, they don't, Ben Nichols flubs his lines. And it's always funny he when he does. lyrics all the time. It's probably because he's drinking so much whiskey, but... Yeah, he was way the, too drunk. But the rest of them are like... Solo. They're on it. They have it every show. Um, <laughs> This record also features a... Oh, yeah. The, a spoken word. Um, basically like a verse. Or like... It's a recurring thing throughout the song. Yeah. Um, on the song Back to the Night... Uh, and it is performed by Michael Shannon, uh, the actor. <laughs> yeah, Michael Shannon. Uh, it's maybe like he, the weirdest thing on the record, and maybe the weakest <laughs> aspect of the record. But at the same time, it's it's so like ballsy to it's, do. <laughs> it's like yeah, it probably is the weakest song overall. But it's because it's like it's like a movie interrupted the middle of an album. <laughs> yeah. And they made, like, a seven-minute short film for that song, yeah. too, starring Michael Shannon. Did you read the story about it? Not exactly, no. Uh, so, the, sh- the short film they made for the song, they got Jeff Nichols to direct a video for Lucero. But he was like, I don't want to just make a video. Let's make an actual, like, a piece of art that could stand on its own. So, they made a seven-minute short film, and he got Michael Shannon to play his part essentially of the song but it's like what else would you do and he said the way they got him to, to got michael shannon to do it is there were, he said will you do this film for me he's like yeah as long as i can get some tickets to see lucero <laughs> that was his payment <laughs> it's like man you don't need i bet lucero would let you into every show you went to <laughs> yeah for free just give me some lucero tickets <laughs> <laughs> they're hard to come by <laughs> I love Michael Shannon so much. I love him. I love the stories about him. Like yeah. the uh what like he like he didn't go to the Oscars. He just like 
he watched the Oscars, watched the from, Oscars a bar. from a bar. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, he wasn't in town. I think he was in another city, and that's why he didn't go. But, like, the movie that he was in that won Best Picture, he didn't bother showing yeah. up to. Uh, and, like, did you ever watch that video of him shoving dimes up his nose? <laughs> And playing piano at the same time, and telling a story about the time he worked at he's, he worked at Taco Bell. <laughs> no. It's this insane video where he's just like, "Yes, they got me in the back." And he's like, while he's shoving dimes up his nose, he's telling the story. They've got me like mixing up the meat, and it's like this sawdust that you just mix water into. <laughs> it's just like it's like this isn't even food. <laughs> I think. Um... Skylar Kroom from He Is Legend has a story about Michael Shannon. He was, I guess he worked on a, on a film that Michael Shannon was in. And he said that, like, he was maybe in, like, the hotel room next to him or was, like, I forget the exact setting. But, like, he said that Michael Shannon just blasted Metallica all night <laughs> in his hotel room or, like, in his trailer or whatever. Uh, he's a weird, weird dude. Uh, he's a fucking amazing actor i love i'll watch anything with michael shannon in it yeah and there is the connection there because he's been in like all of jeff nichols movies which ben nichols brother is the director jeff nichols who uh another connection is uh ben wrote the song loving yeah which jeff's movie was loving the the credit song um and they featured it on this album yeah which but I had mixed feelings about them doing that because it had already pretty much been released. But it's a really good song and it really fits yeah. on this album. Yeah, I mean it's very much of a story album almost. Like every song is like a different story, and so "Loving" kind of fits the tone of the album more so than something like "Take Shelter" or "Midnight Special." And or not "Midnight Special." It is "Midnight Special," right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Lucero. This album would be on my top. 10 as well if i made like a full 10 list myself overall it's not my favorite lucero album but it, i don't know it's really good yeah it's really really I mean, good i don't expect you know i never expect a new lucero album to beat that much further west or tennessee you know yeah. those are just classics i mean mm-hmm. but every lucero album has songs on it that could potentially be one of your favorite lucero songs yeah and that's I don't know. That's a kind of longevity that not a lot of bands, that kind of consistency that not a lot of bands can achieve, you know, 10 albums in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Usually there's a pretty steep drop off entirely. Yeah. Cool. I guess. Yep. On to the should... next one. Yeah. Move on. Uh, <clears throat> so, number four on the list is Retirement Party and their album Somewhat Literate. I may not have a job, but I have something that is much more valuable than this. I may have a couple friends who I'll be damned if I didn't. And I'm 
Retirement Party are a Chicago, Illinois band. Uh, this album came out on Counterintuitive Records, which I don't really know much about that label. I think they're just like a pop punk label. I think it's their thing. This is their debut full length. They have like one EP that came out before this. So it's this. It's this. It's a type of pop punk that has. I guess it's not really you wouldn't say pop punk, but it's it's got these really crazy fun guitar leads. So it's sonically, they're in the vein of somebody like. Um, uh, who also kind of blew up this year, Sincere Engineer. Um, there's a little bit of Chumped in there. And, like, if you took, like, Joyce Manor and kind of, like, cleaned them up a little bit. Um, retirement Party is Avery Sp- Springer on guitar and vocals, uh, Nick Cartwright on guitar, Eddie Rodriguez on bass, and James Ringness on drums. They're... I don't know much about them as far as individuals. Uh, I know Avery Springer is essentially the main songwriter, and she is yeah the lead singer as well. They're fun. They're really fun. This record is something I've gone back to quite a few times. Uh, this is another one of those bands that I saw their name on the fest lineup, and I was like, who's this? So I looked, I looked them up, and I wound up loving this record. And we, we went and saw them at fest, too. They played the Atlantic, and that room was packed. Yeah, they're they're gonna be big. I mean, they're yeah, already they're, getting big, but yeah, they're gonna really be big if they can. Yeah, they're gonna blow up if they can keep going. Um, mm-hmm. and just, and Which is always a, that's always the thing. It's like a new band gets really big, really hot, and then they just they, they lose momentum or they just stop yeah. altogether. That's what I've been chumped. Yeah, like they were blowing up, they were blowing up, and then I mean that was I think interpersonal relationship issues with the band members, but. I I felt like the guitar work on this album reminded me kind of how Roswell Kid has a really fun like guitar playing to their music and um, yeah they don't a lot of to like say that they sound like Roswell like a lot of unabashed like straightforward lead parts you know mm-hmm. just like yeah it's it's very much a big rock record yeah it's definitely probably the best guitar playing on any punk album this year like an actual punk album. I feel like this year, because um, they do a few things where you're just like, wow, that's that's a good like riff and like a little bit of like, oh, that's a really cool like hammer on thing going on here. I don't know, I, it's but it's not showy either, and it's not it's not like a mathy emo album where it's just like, all right, all right, we get it, mm-hmm. you can tap, you know? yeah. <laughs> but it, even as fun as the guitar work is the vocals and lyrics really stand out too. So there's like songs like passion fruit tea and are you my mother? And like what's the album starts off with like something along the lines of, I think I'm going to die from skin cancer. Cause like I had a really bad sunburn when I was 13 yeah. and I couldn't, I couldn't sit in my seat in class or something. It's like, she's got these, uh, not so much of a story, but there's definitely you, her lyrics conjure images in your you know, in your head of exactly what she's talking about. Like it's it's called like a stream of consciousness type thing, but well, it's not I mean, too it, random. Like it, no, it it attaches to like personal anxieties and emotions and and things mm-hmm. like that are tangible and well, not tangible, but uh, I guess like something that you can feel and not just like rambling, you know, word soup. 
Yeah, like, Are You My Mother's got the line about, like, Cheez-Its in her teeth. And... <laughs> like, it's just... It's, it's got enough, like, hyper-specific things, and it's tied in with, like, anxieties. And, and I, yeah, I think she was saying that, like, she would write songs and then go talk about them with her therapist just to, like, say, like, what does this mean? Like, <laughs> trying to figure <laughs> what she's writing out. Like, <laughs> what does this mean about me? And, uh, it's... I would say this is the album on my on this list that I have the most fun listening to. It's like the one I listen to when I want to like feel good. Like I would just want to have some fun, like feel good. Like wind is down. Let's let's play it and cheer up. Type album. What do you think of it? I liked it a lot. Um, this one was pretty. I think probably my favorite record from your picks. I really enjoyed seeing them live. They were they were a lot of fun. Yeah, I I definitely look forward to hearing more from them. This is a band that I'll pay more attention to going mm-hmm. forward for sure. Yeah, they, they wound up touring, like doing like a couple, only a couple dates on a tour with the Get Up Kids, and it's like, yeah, it's it's Get Up Kids in 2018, and you know, that new out EP is not very good, and the last <laughs> album was real bad, but it's still the Get Up Kids. It's not like they're going on tour with nobodies, you know. They still draw a crowd, so yeah. Yeah, I hope it leads to something big. I, I saw a lot of comparisons to them in modern baseball, and it's not a band I've ever really listened to. And I, but I was like, I need to make sure and see if that reference is. Mm, I don't like modern baseball, but <laughs> I don't either. I can kind of see could what they mean. See it. It's it's maybe the way songs are written, not so much the sound, but it's just it's like a conversational sort of singing style. Yeah. Um. So I could see it. I'm not a modern baseball fan either, but I was just like, okay, I see the comparisons, but I guess it's just another frame of reference for people. Um, I don't know much about this counterintuitive records. Is it, I feel like I've, I feel like there's somebody big on that label and I just can't think of who it is. Oh, mom jeans is on there and kiss Yeah. So it's kind of the new, eh, it might be the new hot label Prince daddy and the hyena. So it's like, Oh, so, oh, so, just friends. So yeah, it's the new like trendy pictures of Vernon. Yeah, it's the new punk label. Yeah, that and yeah, in a few years no one will care about, but <laughs> right now they're cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. They're a young band. I'm hoping we get a couple more albums out of them and they don't lose momentum. But it, you know, even if they do, they seem like talented enough musicians that they will wind up doing something else on their own as well. So yeah, I have I don't know, I have a lot of fun with this one. All right, so moving on to number three. Yeah. So number three on our list is What a Time to Be Alive by Super Chunk. Some kind of love. 
Um, <laughs> super Chunk. Super Chunk is Super Chunk. Super Chunk is the band that everyone wanted to compare all of the like crunchy uh, indie emo pop punk bands to for the last couple years that no one really sounds like, but like yeah. everyone is like obviously influenced by. Um, <laughs> no one sounds like them, but they say they're influenced by. Yeah, them. I uh, I love Super Chunk. I love this record. This was this was like the first record i really listened to this year i mean it came out february 16th yeah i mean it, it was, was right like there right there at the beginning of the year um well it's an urgent it's a very yeah. urgent album yeah i uh this is the this is the well okay super chunk is mac mccon vocals and guitar lara balance on bass jim wilbur on guitar and john worster on drums it's pretty much been that lineup for a while now um, and live, live Laura Balance does not play, but Jason Narducci does. Yeah, for bass, who also plays a Bob Mold all the time. Yeah, John Worcester and and Jason Narducci are our Bob Mold's backing band. So, mm-hmm. and Jim Wilbur like recorded the last three Bob Mold albums too. So I'm assuming John Worcester is going to be on the new Bob Mold album as well. Yeah, um, <clears throat> there are some some guest vocals from uh, Sabrina Ellis, um, Stephen Merritt. Katie Crutchfield, David Bazan, and Skylar Gudas. Um, what does David Bazan sing on? He sings on Cloud of Hate. Hmm. That seems like a very Bazan song for him to be on. But, like, uh, yeah, Sabrina Ellis is from... Uh, should have put these... Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, A Giant Dog. Mm. Um, is Katie in Swearing? Katie Crutchfield is Waxahachie. Oh, okay. Um, I, I always forget which one Steven, each one is Steven in. Merritt's the uh the guy from the magnetic fields. Yeah. Um David Bazan is David Bazan. Um Skylar Goodez, yeah. she's a Durham based singer songwriter. I had to look her up. I wasn't hmm. I didn't know her from something. But yeah, I mean it's pretty much just it's pretty much just super chunk. I don't feel like any of those guests really stand out nah. too significantly. The only one that does is um Katie Crutchfield on Erasure. Yeah. This is uh this is the the Trump the anti Trump album that that mm-hmm. everyone promised us. <laughs> yeah, because remember Punk's after the election, be like you can get a lot of good punk albums. Super Chunk, we got one. Did it, and that's it. <laughs> and they did it. They did the one that we needed. I mean, I mean, songs like you know, break the glass. Yeah, yeah. Um, Reagan Youth. Yeah. Um, what a time to be alive. Yeah. Oh yeah. What. That song just like that's that's a finger drums on the on the steering wheel song for me. <laughs> um, yeah, I when we uh, when I went and saw them a few weeks ago, which was election night, I believe they opened up with "What a Time to Be Alive," and they played quite a few songs off of this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, "Dead Photographers." That's a that's another really really good one. I got cut. That's a big one of the big singles from it. Yeah, I I mean it's. It's a harder side of Super Chunk that we haven't seen in a while. It's got kind of like an yeah. on the mouth. Well, how, feel. how far back do you think? You think it's yeah, on the mouth probably is. But even like No Pocky for Kitty, I even feel like this album's a little harder than On the Mouth. Even yeah, it's they definitely uh, steered away from maybe the the poppier side of I Hate Music and Majesty Shredding, kind of the mode yeah. that you expected them to stay in. Mm-hmm. You know, post reuniting. Um, and it's and it's probably gonna be an anomaly in their discography, going you know from here on out. Yeah, I mean it's just, it's a very angry record, and it was born out of a very specific you know hatred, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, 
it's a but it's a really good it's a really good album on its own it's an album that's going to stand the test of time i don't think it's going to forever be thought of as like an anti-trump album yeah it's not going to be like an anti-flag or anything or american idiot or anything <laughs> like that i think it's it's an album yeah. that will probably always be relevant i mean truth be told <laughs> the uh populism yeah. in our country and conservatism in our country is is not going away it's gonna be a long battle no so and this will always there be a record that you can look to for inspiration and yeah they are from north carolina so they are fully aware of what conservatism looks like in this country because i feel like a lot of I feel like a lot of well-known bands come from more liberal places overall. And yeah, while Chapel Hill is a more liberal city in North Carolina, uh, we're there. They are very conscious of what North Carolina is like in the majority. It's a red state. We used to be called a swing state, but we're not. We're a red state. Oh. Just because we we went for Obama, There's but a, that was it. There's a blue governor. There's a Democrat governor right now. That's because the Republican governor was so bad before him that people had to get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, this this is... Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, because this is kind of like the the political voice that we need to be hearing from musicians. It's yeah. someone who actually knows who the enemy is. Um, <laughs> and it's not just like a... Oh, if we, there's the... Yeah, there's that trend in liberalism that just seems to be this mentality of if we just get rid of Trump, everything will be fixed. And that's not true. Yeah. And yeah. they know that. And I, I feel like they're really singing from that perspective. And I think that's a big thing that gives this, this record a lot of power is it's, it's saying like, it's not just going to be impeach Trump. Like, well, no, it's, it was also them as equally mad about North Carolina politics. Yeah. Like when the show we uh, that we just went to, like they were talking. I mean, it was it's primary, so everything they were that was being voted on was local election type stuff. But they were super knowledgeable of everything going on in North Carolina, and they understand how big of an issue things like gerrymandering and all that is, and how much i want to say even one of the songs is even about gerrymandering on the album um yeah so they they understand it's not just trump it's a much bigger issue and i mean they're older i mean that 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 helps you know yeah that's another thing too um that i had that struck me about this is it's really it's really good to hear a political album from someone who was writing music and paying attention to politics, you know, pre nine eleven. Yeah, someone who understands how uh, how dark things really were politically under the Bush administration, mm-hmm. like it drives me crazy whenever people do the the thing where they want to like like I miss Bush. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> Bush was a war. You're criminal. you're too you're too young and too naive. Like like. The difference between Trump and Bush is really that Trump is just the, like, the hate speech president. Yeah. You know. Bush was more effective. I mean, in terms of, like, lasting, um, you know, geopolitical impact, mm-hmm. yeah, the eight years of Bush will be much worse than the, you know, the very... Not not to say that Trump's, like, not bad. Obviously, he's bad. No. I mean, he's... Yeah, he's stirred up a lot of... A lot of uh, 
hate crimes in the country, and that's that's probably one of the worst aspects of his presidency, and and the environmental impact, and the and the you know the border politics mm-hmm. taking things. That being said, the you know this is a soapbox. I I feel like I should get on whenever possible. Border politics in the United States have been atrocious for the last thirty years. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's definitely escalated things in the last couple of years of his presidency, but yeah, like no. People have been shoveled into the furnace of the Sonoran Desert, which I live in, um, for, yeah. for years and years and years and years. And it's not been paid attention to and not been talked about. Um, right. Very. I mean, the Clintons are just as much to blame for the situation in Mexico as uh, with, uh, what was it, NAFTA? Yeah. yeah, I mean. And the United States buying up all the, the farmland in Mexico. And it's just, yeah, it's... It's been a very big issue for a very long time, and the United States is implicit in the issue, in the, you know, the problem. So, <clears throat> all, tying that all back into Super Chunk, it's, yeah, it's good to hear political music that has roots. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just, it's not just reactionary, it's not just a fuck Trump, it's like, fuck the GOP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, fuck congressional politics since the civil rights movement. I mean, just like constant <laughs> failure of our political system. So I guess it's fair to talk about stuff like that on a list reflecting uh, the year. Yeah. Uh, it's been all, uh, it's been a bad year. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm thankful for super junk. They are one of, they're probably one of my top five favorite bands of all time. Um, definitely. I don't know how their impact is felt throughout the rest of, I don't know, the country, but for, I don't know. I, I mentioned this in discussion with you before. I feel like Superchunk are the best band to have ever come out of North Carolina. Yeah. I mean, can you think of anyone better? No. Yeah, Superchunk is is the, yeah I, yeah, I can't think of anyone. I mean, there's definitely been more popular, the Avid Brothers. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah. I love classic Avid Brothers. But, uh, but what I was gonna getting at was um, so I feel like even though they're one of the best bands to come out and they're a very important indie rock band and prop, but they were probably a bigger deal in the '90s, especially with the creation of Merge Records. Um, but I feel like people in North Carolina, like the punk scene, are really bad about recognizing um, the great bands that we did have. Like it's. It took me being in my late 20s to get into Super Jump. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it was that they were gone for a long time. Yeah, they were gone for 10 years. I mean, so they were a band that were, like, mentioned, but unless you were listening to punk and indie stuff in the 90s, I don't know, you wouldn't have listened. They wouldn't have come up. They wouldn't have been talked about as much. Um yeah, uh, but even in the matter of, like, punk, they don't get talked about that much. Like, in the grand scheme of punk which is i think it's wrong i mean they should be talked about yeah it's really interesting because they are often almost it seems like they're not thought of as a punk band even though they clearly are yeah like musically and ethically like yeah they i feel like indie rock claims them yeah more than i mean that's punks do i mean that's kind of the that's because of like the archers of loaf and built to spill and 
all of those bands that they were associated with that they certainly have some similarities to. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, Archer's Loaf were great too. Um, Fellow North Carolina band, same time period even. And the, and um, I guess maybe like punks in the '90s weren't listening to those bands as much. That's true. And I was thinking about like compared to other punk bands from that time period, they don't they didn't really sound anything like any of them. And they weren't really contemporaries. I mean, while they were playing at the same time, they wouldn't. You wouldn't say they were peers. Um, I guess it is. They just associated more with indie rock bands than other punk bands, and then so that kind of changed how people view them. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. That being said, like I said, they're one of the greatest punk bands to ever exist, and I feel like people, sh- young punk, should be listening to early Super Junk. And they're not. Yeah. Yeah, they aren't. They aren't. They're not a young person's band. No. Yeah, I don't know. Now we just sound like a bunch of old guys. So just like. <laughs> but no, see, that's a bullshit argument. Because then punks are listening to fucking Black Flag and Minor Threat all the time. So, and the Ramones and Sex Pistols. So it's like, oh, well, they're the legends. Well, they're even older than Super Chunk. So you can't have that excuse that they're an old guy. They're old why nobody listens to them because no you're listening to old hardcore bands too you know well in jawbreaker i feel like yeah 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 if you're listening to jawbreaker you should be listening to super chunk yeah they're not that far apart no. really yeah well i love super chunk and i try and push it <laughs> so yeah <clears throat> all right uh okay so moving on to number two um is remember sports and their album slow buzz Found your sign in the sky last night I'm the sun that's in the back of the mind all of the things you compartmentalize You're no mad at me Just can't look in my eyes You can only three times before saying I tried It's your birthday and I still can't get it right I know everything's gonna be alright So, do you remember sports? I remember playing sports. <laughs> do you remember the band sports? Yeah. Yeah. This is oh. them. Yeah. <laughs> There's also like three bands with the name sports, so they changed their name. So, this is the sports that had the albums, what, Sunchoke, and I can't remember what the other one was called. Um, but there's also the like the other sports band that kind of came popular around the same time, who I think... I don't even remember exactly what they sound like. They're, but they were active at the same time. And I remember I, I was reading a story about this band that apparently people would show up to their shows thinking they were the other band, and they weren't. <laughs> and so it was like, oh. <laughs> uh, but sports are from originally from Gambier, Ohio, and they all met in college and formed in college. 
then they all graduated college and they moved to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So this is the exact same lineup except for one member. Uh, so it's Carmen Perry on vocals and guitar, Catherine Dwyer on bass, Jack Washburn on guitar, and they were all in the original version of sports. And their original drummer, who I forgot to write his name down, um, did not move with them to Philadelphia. So that their current drummer is now Connor Perry. Um, this is a really, 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 really good album. This is, uh, it came out on Father Daughter Records. Um, don't know much about that label, really. This is their third album. So it's this, it's this kind of fuzzy indie punk album like, I think the closest comparison, like a lot of people want to compare them to Swearin' or Waxahachie, but I think they sound more like Radiator Hospital. Yeah. Or, and like Katie Ellen than it's fuzzy, jangly guitars. It's this, it has like this bedroom pop quality to it, but it's, it's, it's not sparse and not, not, it's more like a full band in a bedroom, <laughs> you know, like. Um, yeah, I mean it's it, it's garage rock. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, yeah, it is. It's except it's this is a cozy ass album. Like that's how I just think of this album. It's cozy. It's it's poppy. It's it's not a it's not a bummer record like some you know, some could be. It's I don't know. I have a hard time describing what this album sounds like. It's, yeah, I think. Uh... I mean, it kind of reminds me of that first swearing album. It's just kind of like mm-hmm. fun, garagey, like summertime music. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just kind of like warm and happy, and yeah, it's not like whereas Re- Retirement Party was the album that was like I need to get into a good mood and I put it on. Remember Sports is the album that I'm just like, ah, I'm having a real good time just <laughs> just listening to it. Um, it's funny, like, uh, Corey actually recommended this album to me very early on in the year, and it just stuck with me. And then I know a few other people who really enjoyed this album, like, saw them live, and, and, I don't know, it's just, I don't know, I love it. It's, it's, you know, where I had an issue trying to come up with a way to describe Fourth Wanderers, it's not that different from that, whereas that album sounds a little colder, this one is much warmer, and it's just an overall good feeling of an album. I don't know. It's just got some great melodies. It's got these. I love the vocals from Carmen Perry. I don't know. What do you think of it? Yeah, I, I only really listened to it. Um, you played it on our way down to Fest, I think, and uh, mm-hmm. I listened to it again preparing for this episode. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's kind of like, I feel like it's maybe the best example of like that Philly fuzzy rock sound. Like it's the, the band I most want to listen to out of most of those bands. Like I think of like the recording qualities and everything kind of fit in with Radiator Hospital does a lot, but Radiator Hospital has so much material that they're kind of inconsistent in some places. I feel like this album is just straight through, front to back, just great. Just, yeah, the Philly sound, has, it's weird. Like, I guess, yeah, Philly does definitely have a sound. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's starting yeah. to turn into white noise. 
Especially when those are like the only bands anyone talks about. Yeah. Which is probably why I didn't pay attention when this record first came out. No, because why would you? It's sports. I mean, you know, <laughs> they had a very generic name and they came from a scene. Oh, it's like modern baseball. You know, like they don't really sound much like modern baseball, but with a name like sports, you're like, yeah, just imagine modern baseball and America and, uh, and American football and remember <laughs> sports all going on tour together and football, et cetera, opening <laughs> up. Like it's just <laughs> and tennis and there's so many bands with these like real generic quarterbacks that's another <laughs> one another philly band like yeah <laughs> these names that are super generic and they're sports related so every you think they're all going to sound the same and to me this is the album that i wish the swearing album was like if you cut out that dude songs and you <laughs> like uh <laughs> katie sing everything then <laughs> allison. or allison i can't remember. allison is the one in swearing god they're twins they aren't are twins. they like okay yeah <laughs> i'm not just they were twins who were in the same band together at one point so <laughs> that's why i have such a hard time remembering which well allison which. is in Waxhead. i mean she's basically she's in the band <sighs> anyway but like i said it's, it's what i want waxahachie and swearing to be is just what this album is um I mean, I had a hard time. I would flip between what Remember remember Sports and Retirement Party. It's like my favorite. And I, how I felt at the end of listening to the entire albums is what made me uh, decide on going with Remember Sports. Like, it was just like, I just felt good after listening to Slow Buzz. Um, yeah, I, they should have played Fest. Um, they would have been perfect for it. But they are, I got a little bit of a, they're, they're coming to North Carolina, but they're coming with Jeff Rosenstock mm. and Joyce. <laughs> I mean, the good thing is if I went, I'd probably be done by 9 o'clock and home by 10. So, But I also don't want to go all the way to Charlotte for a 20-minute set. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I can go buy the record and the t-shirt from them, I guess. That would make it all worth it. But <laughs> Yeah, I want to see them. Just because this album is just that good and it... Think I went this and the Soccer Mommy records the ones I went back to the most often this year, and I just felt best after listening to this album more. Um, I don't, I, I love it. It's really good. They're very. This album was very positively received, but it just didn't have a huge audience. Um, unfortunately, I'm hoping with the name change and with the positive reviews, that this leads to more in the future from them. Um, I mean, going on tour with Jeff Rosenstock is going to help as well, so... Though I don't know why. <laughs> we have a very anti-Jeff Rosenstock bias on this show. I just think the dude's voice sucks. <laughs> like, it's just unpleasant to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, do we want to wrap it up with our last entry? Yeah, we definitely should. Getting, getting a little long here. <laughs> Yeah, this one's going to go a little bit longer than the last one. But. So, <clears throat> my number one album this year, and I didn't really have any question about it, um, I kind of knew from the first time I listened to it, is Jericho Sirens by Hot Snakes.
It is such a monster of an album. <laughs> it's just so I fucking love John Reese. Oh man, he, he John is Reese. my guitar hero. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love. I just love the riffs he writes. I love the way he plays. Um, I love Rocket from the Crypt and Night, Night Marchers and Drive Like Jehu and all of those bands. I mean, yeah, Hot Snakes, if you don't know, somehow. Um, yeah. Hot Snakes are, it's Rick Froberg and John Reese from Drive Like Jehu's band. Uh, mm-hmm. Their second, third band together. They were in Pitchfork before Jehu together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John Reese also was the front man of From the Crypt and Night Marchers and The Sultans. And um, Rick Froberg was the. He did Obits. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't do anything else, did he? Yeah, Obits is like his only other. Other big one. I feel like Obits have been around as long as a couple. I don't know. There was a period there when. Um, I guess Hot Stinks was kind of his focus during that era, whereas during that time, also, John Reese was doing the Sultan yeah. stuff. And so the Night Marchers and the Obits are probably, those are the contemporaries there, and the Sultans and Hot Snakes are the, you know, like, the side-by-side bands. Yeah. And then Jehu and Rocket are in the crypt. Yeah. Even though Rocket's career was much longer yeah. than Jehu's, but... Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> Hot Snakes is Rick Froberg on guitar and vocals. Um, John Reese on guitar, as mentioned. Uh, Gar Wood on bass. Uh, Jason Corcunas and Mario Rubalcaba on drums. So they have, technically have two drummers, though they typically only play with one. I want to say Jason was on the tour that I saw them on. Was the drummer on, the t- on that tour? Um, yeah. I'm not totally sure how it works. I guess they just kind of trade off songs in the studio, or I don't know. Um, but they are both listed. Hmm. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I just love Hot Snakes. I'm yeah. I'm so glad that they're back. Uh, basically, yes, their first album in fourteen yeah. years. Um, it's just like their their first three records are just some of my favorite punk records of all time. Um, Suicide Invoice is just one of is I'd say it's my favorite overall. This record sounds more like their last album. Um, Audit in Progress, which has some of my favorite favorite Hot Snake songs of all time. Um, <clears throat> this record, yeah, like I said, it's just a it's just a monster of an album. Like it's it pretty much just pummels you from beginning to end. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 John Reese's guitar, man. It's that what do you call it? It's just this like it's this bright sounding. Yeah, I mean he's got a lot of. He's got a lot of like rockabilly and surf influences on his guitar playing, but it's definitely not surf no. music. Um, which he's done that yeah. too. That was what I forget the name of that band. Actually, that was a collaboration I think between him and a pre-existing. I mean, there's there's a surfer yeah, on not... the album cover. Uh, I mean, this the song Six Wave Hold Down" is yeah, it's is true. about like a surfer being yeah. drowned basically. Six, Six Wave Hold Down" is my favorite song on the yeah. album. That and Jericho Sire, like the title track, are my favorite songs on the album. Six, you know, Six Wave Hold Downs, uh, it reminds me of a Night Marchers song. Um, it's funny, because so, like, each each project that John Reese and Froberg work on, they 
they all have a dis- a distinct sound or like maybe a songwriting approach to them. Like Hot Snakes is like the fast one. Like that's the one that it's melodic, but it's definitely faster than like Night Marchers, who tries to be a little more pop sensible, I guess. And then Jehu was, you know, yeah, Jehu had like just, the droning and like really like building up, playing the same riff, you know, and and building it up and louder and louder. Mm-hmm. And then like Rock from the Crypt was like, it's not this. But it is this. It was them not them being a ska, a '90s ska band almost. <laughs> like they weren't. They didn't play ska music, but it, and they had horns. But Rocket, it, I don't. It Rocket was them. The Crypt is just like the 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 main hard rock soul review. <laughs> like trying trying to be a '90s trying to be a '90s band. Like it feels very '90s compared to the rest yeah. of the bands. <laughs> I mean, I love rock. Rock is actually my favorite out of all the projects. Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I like Froberg's voice when it's being backed by John's guitar play. I don't care all yeah. that much for Opitz. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like this is like um, Hot Snakes is is interesting. Like they're almost a political band. Like uh, they are politically conscious, but his lyric writing. Rick Froberg's lyrics are kind of obtuse. I don't know. There's not anything on this record that you would say is necessarily a political song. I've never gotten a clear message of what a lot of their songs are about. Um, I'm also... I I don't also analyze lyrics very hard either. I don't know. I've always felt like a majority of their songs were just more of like a concept or like an idea. I I don't know exactly what they're about specifically for me hot snakes is just like this is a wall of sound you know a crazy guitar player with so uh yeah i read a i read an interview with john reese they were talking about his guitar setup and his gear mostly i think um it was i want to say maybe it was like a reverb article or something like that but he he says something so john reese has this persona like he has this like James Brown kind of like uh showmanship like mm-hmm. he's just got like a I don't know I guess it's just like a classic rock and roll and and soul influence I don't know but he's just got this really big personality and he said something about people uh people want to be dominated by the guitar <laughs> um that's yeah that's really his approach um, I didn't realize how uh, interactive he is with the audience before I, I saw them. So I got like front row when I saw them here in Phoenix. And it was like at a one of the venues with like a, you can actually get right up to the stage, um, <clears throat> which is really nice. And it's like a knee link, knee height stage. Um, <laughs> and he... Uh, he would make eye contact with me a lot. And he would see whenever I would try and take a picture. It was almost like he was intentionally trying to not let me take his picture. (laughs) So, like, he would, like, almost be making a pose, and then he would veer away. And I'm like, so I have all these blurry pictures of John Reese. Because he has all these awesome, like, stage poses and power stances and things. But um, he he gets really up close up close with the audience um be forewarned <laughs> i guess uh 
he may stand on you. Um, <laughs> he definitely jumped into the crowd and was like on the floor playing for parts of it. He uh, he he used me as a stool to prop his foot up on. <laughs> like he put his foot on my shoulder and shoved me down. Uh, and put his <laughs> foot on my back and just like rocked out me but <laughs> it's it's only him like he's one of those few musicians that can get away with that kind of like over the top charisma mm-hmm. just because he writes such killer riffs i mean just <laughs> yeah i remember uh, the only time i've seen him live was when the night marchers played fest and i remember he was just like he was a blast <laughs> Made fun of all the band names, playing the same yeah. set. Like he, you could tell he didn't care. He was at a festival. He didn't give a shit about fest, but <laughs> it was fun. It was, yeah, I, I'm shamefully un like I've listened to all of the Hot Snakes albums, but I'm shamefully like under listened when it comes to like I don't know the songs like I should. You know, I know it when I hear it that it's them, but I would also just like can't conjure up the songs in my head you know i can't imagine how they sound before I li- i'm listening to the album so I, I definitely need to change that there's just so much music that, that they've put out throughout the years that between like the four big bands it's a little overwhelming yeah i don't you know where this album lands in like my in terms of my favorites in their discography we'll see over time um yeah, but I loved it. I, I loved it from beginning to end. It's just a blast to listen to. It's not too long. It's thirty minutes. You get you get just enough. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I guess that pretty much covers our uh, yeah our albums of the year. Yeah, we did it. It's been a marathon for a little bit. Yeah, like three hours. <laughs> yeah, we recorded these back to back just so we didn't have to try and record one the week of Christmas. And yes, we're cheating, and yes, I know my complaints about uh, putting your list together before the end of the year, but at the same time, I'm not publishing this until after New Year's. So. There's really only one <laughs> full week left of the year, so... So as long as nobody puts out a surprise record, yeah. and if they do, I will count it as a 2019 record. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so next week, we will be back on format... Um, need to pull up the numbers. Um, okay. Yeah, so next week we'll be back on format with the year 2011. Um, and uh, speaking of one of our runner-ups for 2018, uh, we got number 170 on the album list, and it is Restorations, and their self-titled album, Restorations. So it'll be interesting to talk about their first album in comparison to... Uh, the one that just came out yeah, this I'm year. looking forward to talking about that one. And on our EP list, we got number 216. And this is a first for us. Uh, this is our first split release. And it is the split 7-inch between Sprainerd and Sundials. So that'll be interesting. We'll technically be talking about three bands next week. So that's that'll be fun. Um, yeah, so continue to follow us on all the social medias. We're at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PunkLottoPod. We have an email. It's PunkLottoPod at gmail.com and we have our website punklottopod.simplecast.fm let us know uh, what you thought of our list if you thought we were morons for forgetting something uh, how could you guys forget to talk about uh, I don't know <laughs> whatever it is you liked that we didn't so 
yeah, so I guess we'll uh, see you next week uh, back on Format. 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 <laughs> Format. And uh, we'll have to play some sort of clip here. Eh. You say in your whiny little bitch voice to your computer screen, I've been cheering on our sports team at all the sports. Doesn't that count for something? No, you stupid fucking asshats! It fucking doesn't!